I've been experiencing a sense of fatigue and perhaps boredom when it comes to playing Street Fighter V lately, and it's starting to sound like I may not be the only one. Catalyst and I examine why we think this is and how it could potentially be fixed. Plus, a Street Fighter V hacker is on the loose, Ono is making moves on social media, and we welcome the great Majin Tenshin Han to talk about the money problem the tournament scene is currently going through, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. How's it going? Ever? I like. I appreciate the extra emphasis on all the O's at the end of my name, which is only one, but it sounded like six there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you really got to elongate stuff when you're like announcing it, like especially if you do like the cheesy radio guy voice. Like you got to go, John Velociraptor Guerrero. Like it, it's just oh, man. At this point, you're just one step below announcing boxing and wrestling main events. That's how I get myself going in the morning. I'm like, <laughs> I'm out of bed now. No, that would be great though. <laughs> that would be awful oh man my wife it'd be just funny to, yeah, yeah like looking at your your family's reaction to all that stuff <laughs> Jeez. all right well let's get into something a little bit less entertaining i guess um now and that would be you are feeling like that was a badass segue i'm gonna yeah, interrupt yeah. your great segue to tell you how good the segue was <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get there right now already off the rails we're five minutes in baby or five minutes 50 seconds in and then we're already off the rails i can't yeah. even keep track of time now but um Street Fighter V, you feel like, is boring right now. And you brought this up to me, and I'm like, okay, hold on. Like, we can discuss this, but I want you to save it for the podcast, and I want you to get into it and tell our listeners and, and readers and all the people listening, whatever yes. all of them are, um, what, what's going on? What's going through your head right now at this moment? So, uh, first things first, I want to clearly express that I don't mean when you sit down to play cobwebs are forming and it's just the worst thing in the world. What I mean by boring is that I think that it's kind of slowed down, that people are starting to get, well, relatively bored with it. And by bored, I mean there are plenty of other things that they'd rather occupy their time with when they say, do I want to play Street Fighter or do something else? And I think we're seeing more and more people come to that general conclusion. And there are a few reasons why I think, uh, well, as, as to the signs that are pointing to this. And I've felt this way for, for a while. And and. and to further clarify, I still play the game, right? Like I was playing just now for about 45 minutes before we uh, started recording. And, uh, but, but here's the thing. I think that it's kind of starting to fall off and there are a few indicators of that. And this is in the general public, the general FGC. I, I feel that people are constantly looking for what's next. They're constantly asking, when's the next DLC? When's the next update? The game needs a balance update, which I feel it does. I think these are all very valid things. Um, and I think that we're also recently trending on Twitter some, or there are some trends uh, that we're seeing on Twitter, people uh, doing these weird challenges where they're, they're setting, they're going into training mode and they're setting things up to, uh, to have infinite meter and seeing just how long they can get combos going. And those are cool. Like they're actually interesting. Um, I think uh, uh, Disco Vigilante just posted one up about Bison doing uh, not not a combo, but an infinite block string where you can't <laughs> you can't get a three frame jab out in between. See how long you can get that going, um, and that's all cool. But um, and and in, that could happen to any game. But the fact that that's happening right now is telling me that like, well, maybe people are starting to explore other things because this the main game is a little bit boring. Um, I think we're seeing less uh, excitement for tournaments. I know I'm seeing that locally very much. We're still running them. We're still having them, but it certainly 
isn't the the main stage game anymore. People aren't talking about it as much. People aren't exploring it as much. People aren't wanting to play casuals as much. Um, and yeah, it's starting to feel like it's the, like that's a place where the community is at right now, which is fair. That's going to happen probably to any game at, given a certain amount of time. But I think like relatively speaking, Street Fighter V, it hasn't been all that long for it to be uh, as kind of slow as it's become. And um, so there's a lot of different ways to, to tackle this. And I think the first place that I want to go is the how, how often people are asking what's next. When's the balance update? When's the DLC? What's coming down the pike? When, when, is, when are new modes? When's another uh, mechanic going to be added to the game? And of course, we do that a lot yeah. here on Event Hubs because we're supposed to ask those questions. But I think the general public is asking those questions a lot more often now, too. Yeah, and I think that's a very a big thing with modern games, right? It is uh, we're in 2019, and it's always about the next big, you know, Fortnite update. That's or fair. What's coming to the game and all that? Like that expectation, you know, people can say, "Well, that's you know, new for fighting games." Well, yeah, kind of, but I mean, it, it's this is like where the video game space is at. Like everyone is talking about new updates to every to freaking Minecraft of all things that's been out, you know, for so long, and the game has not evolved that much, but now it has like you know freaking textured water or whatever, and people are jazzed about it. Like there's. <laughs> There's got to be updates to games, and I will go back to something that we've harped on quite a bit. And some people at Capcom actually have personally told me uh, I did not agree with this at all, and like how they did it. And that's the character release window. Like Capcom decided to wait all the way till Evo to, to do more characters beyond Kage. Uh, they decided to you know release three characters at that one time because of it. And we were used to more consistent updates over time. Um, I, I think that is a, a factor here, and probably one of the things that you were going to mention. Sure, sure. And and I think that it's not 100% because people are bored that they're asking for new stuff. That's an absolutely fair um, uh, contribution to this. But I do think that as I analyze my own personal space, and that's where you can start, uh, I'm thinking, I find myself more and more often thinking like, man, I really wish this game would get an update and I and change in some different direction because things are feeling stale. Uh, and 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 part of that is I'm really wishing that Street Fighter VI would get announced. That would be really cool too. But I feel that that's probably a little farther off. So I go, well, maybe a, an update would be sufficient for the time being. You go through our comments um, on. I, I, on... I do want to chime in and say that you you say you're personally feeling this, and I know people instantly are going to go to the character you play and say this is called the most boring character in Street Fighter V, and people are going to you know directly ask you and say like, is your character the problem here? I don't think, uh, I think that could be a contributor to it, but I don't think that it would be fair to say that just because, like only Nikali players are feeling this. That would probably be right. another way of saying That's a very uh, what you're good saying point. there too. Yes. Um, I was, uh, when I jumped on, and this is also sort of anecdotal, but another small uh, uh, contribution to this idea, I jumped on the website um, just now to, to start my shift a few minutes ago, right? And I jumped into the very first story, which is about uh, Wolfgang Street Fighter V EX Move tier list. And uh, going on in the comments, the first thing that says, uh, from Blanca Beast, he says, we need a balance patch update seriously ASAP. It keeps the game interesting. And it was like, I'm about to talk about this. And that was the first comment on the top story just as I jumped on. Didn't even really have too much directly to do with this. But 
there's another example coming from uh, uh, the community. And I'm seeing these comments pop up more and more often, either on social media or just in my talks with other people, with friends that I normally play with. Um, things are starting to feel this way. And then I think about it on a kind of a bigger scale and I go, we've been saying this. We've been asking for a fresh coat of paint on this game. What's, how's it going to change up a little bit next, you know, since the very beginning? Now, in the beginning, it was because the game was very obviously incomplete. And, and you could argue at that point, well, maybe all it needed was some new game modes and, and, and to be a full game in the first place, right? But, you know, that happened. We got more than twice as many characters as we've started with and, and plenty of game modes and such and plenty of updates. And still people are feeling like, yeah, what's next? What's next? And I don't think that that's just because games are constantly updated because I play a handful of different games and I'm not thinking that uh, to the degree that I'm thinking that with Street Fighter V with any of those. Uh, you got to be careful about going back to the old days because times they are changing, right? But I don't remember feeling this way with Street Fighter IV. Um, now, I do remember looking forward to the Ultra update because when those things were introduced, it was like there are some particular issues that we need to have fixed, and that will be good, and it will make the game better. But the clear distinction there was that I was still happy to play in this moment because it was still fun and not just a repetitive, boring, and frustrating yeah. mess. I, now, I, I hear what you're saying there, but I do have to take people back in time to the moment that Super Street Fighter 4 came out. Um, and there was a lot of hype when that initially happened. And then everyone realized that lame characters were dominating the game. Like Honda mm -hmm. was considered Honda one of the best Chun. characters. Chun, Guile, uh, uh, Rose was considered good, you know, and she's a fairly lame character. But like all the dominant characters were there. And then Marvel came out. And everyone's like, Marvel 3 is incredible. I'm going to play it. Don't play it online, but play it besides that. Mm -hmm. It's a great game. And there was a lot of of dissension and problems with Super Street Fighter 4 in the community about six months to eight months or somewhere around there after it came out. A lot of people hated the game uh, because it was just way too defensive. And, and I mean, it was a, an issue that that came, and I laugh about that statement now because of how much we've complained about the offense in Street Fighter 5, right? But that was a major issue back then. And I... This is, uh, and I'm not disagreeing with, with uh, like, I'm not saying, oh man, you're totally off base on this. I, I think you're right, but there's there's plenty of examples of this in history, and that's often when Capcom releases a brand new version of the game because people are getting tired of it, right? That's what we yeah. see. Yeah. Um, as far as Street Fighter Four goes, yeah, it, it certainly had problems, and it certainly needed updates, and it certainly got them. But again, I go back to, and I can only speak to my own feelings and then what I gauge the community around me to be feeling. But I don't think we were like this, like I'm, I'm not going to play or I don't feel like playing. It's not exciting. It's not fun until something changes drastically in the same way that we're feeling it with five right now. Yeah, I mean, there was there's more hate towards Street Fighter five than any Street Fighter game I can remember besides Street Fighter three. Street Fighter 3 was not well received in our community, uh, even way back when. It was it was generally very heavily frowned upon. Like we didn't have that trouble with Alpha, even to some degree the verse games. Now those the verse games when they first came out were considered the biggest scrub friendly, no skill involved kind of like whatever type games, and that mm -hmm. really changed from my understanding of it with Marvel 2. Uh, that was really the kind of the game that did it. And like I mean I'm not counting uh, Capcom versus SNK in there as a verse game, even though you know by title that is it's not the traditional you know Marvel. Capcom game um 
people were really mad about Street Fighter 3. Like, the animations they felt were too long. Like, you know, they, I think Capcom set the record for, like, most frames of animation in a 2D game, like, ever with uh, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. And and they're like, yeah, there's there's too many freaking frames of animation and, like, parries are boring or hard to do and, and all this kind of stuff. Like, there was a lot of outcry over that game, but with time, people got really used to it and hardcore about it. So, um, but anyway, it's fun going, to play today. You know, yeah, I yeah. thought about that, too, yeah. and thinking about, like, well, when I go to Street Fighter 5 tournaments, I usually play Street Fighter 5 when it's tournament time but I'll play usually three and then some two um, when it's when it's not term- like for casuals most of the time and I thought about that as well as like will people play Street Fighter 5 like this will someone always bring like a Street Fighter 5 setup and you'll guarantee almost that there's gonna be one somewhere you know that someone brought uh, you, even well, when Street actually, Fighter 6 note, is the big thing. Yeah, what are you seeing with Street Fighter 4 right now? Because when I see tournaments and other stuff, like people are like, this game is going to last forever. It's going to be incredible. I barely see Street Fighter 4 anymore at tournaments. I do see Street Fighter 3, and I do see Street Fighter 2, but SF4, I see it here and there. Um, but I would say it's a good step down in terms of nostalgia value for compared to the other you know entries in the series. I would agree. To 3 and 2, there's significantly less 4. When 4 does pop up, man, we have a gay old time and we play it, but uh, you're right. It's it's certainly not as popular um, in this particular arena as three or two goes, and, and some other games too. Um, so something perhaps to be garnered from that. But uh, but yeah, I really. F- oh, go ahead. No, I, I, let's get back into Street Fighter Five though. We digress. Like we're, we're good comparisons for the history, but I do want to go in. I really think um, one, like I said before, you're not off base here. You're you're actually correct that I do think there's a malaise with the game where people are just kind of stuck and like kind of like okay, well, what now? And and that's because you know, their, their expectations have had dirt, you know, pour, poured all over them with like, Well, hey. it also could be because it's just like not very exciting to like the, the whole experience to sit down and like there are some good points for sure. There are some times where you're, where you feel good about it, but there's so much of it that's demoralizing or frustrating and that's in gameplay or in execution, trying to play online and, and what can happen there, the user experience, the user interface, things like that. It just is like, man, there's funner things to do out there. It's like a 6.5 out of 10 when I have 7s, 8s, and 9s sitting around on my computer or in my other games. You know? Right, and I totally disagree with that from my own personal perspective. And some of my friends who are really enjoying the game and you know keep playing it and all that kind of stuff, I do think it's to each his own on that. Uh, but I do want to go into some of the more popular sentiments that I'm seeing out there. And one, mm-hmm. uh, we just posted a story here from Daigo, uh, that scrub guy who, you know, who knows and who's ever heard of him. But um, he did mention that uh, I feel like most of the players and viewers want something done about the top tier characters in Street Fighter 5 like that is a uh, again when I mentioned that I I don't disagree with like you know people being upset and bored with the game where it's at I I can't just sit there and point it at one thing but I can definitely point it at about five or six major things that I see recurring in our community that are not being addressed and Mm -hmm. I'll mention this again uh, over and over like there's a lot of people who will just sit down and watch Street Fighter 5 played and I do see a lot of complaints about Rashid and Akuma and other people like that and it's like how many times do you really want to watch Rashid versus Akuma where you're seeing a second or third tier player play Akuma or Rashid and go against each other? And it's like, I, I could probably watch one or two of those and be okay. But by the time that's like three, four, five matches in, I'm done. I, I am I am, I am, completely mentally checked out. I'm not watching anything on there. It's garbage and it's total garbage. And I just very recently compared the character usage of Street Fighter V to Smash Melee. That is a terrible comparison that you never want in your game and Capcom is just sitting there like oh we don't even need a 0.5 balance update 
Like, why why would we do that? Rashid and Akuma are great. Like, let's keep these characters intact and let them rolling. And I know that's not their that I know that's not what they're saying behind the scenes. I'm sure there are developers there that are just as frustrated as I am about this. But when you do not do something you have done basically every other time out, that's on you. That's on you to not speak loud enough and hard enough to get that stuff in there and say, hey, we need to address it. You have to have Daigo, who's a pretty chill dude, go out there and say, hey, this is ridiculous. And he's not the only person. It's been Sako too. And it's been these guys on event hubs who I've never heard of before who keep saying freaking tweak the game a little bit more, especially at the top end. Literally, you touch like just the top end characters that we complain about and like you leave it there. And you'd have a pretty damn good update on your hands. I'm not even talking about addressing people like Fong or Vega or Ed or anything like that. Like, I'd love that too. But just adjusting those other characters makes everyone better. And and they're like, nah, we ain't going to do it. Like, it, it's like we just, it, man, this has been, okay, I can flat out say this. And, and this has been the most disappointing season of Street Fighter V, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And that probably factors into this like current feeling that I'm at. It's like, well, maybe we're in the worst of it too, because I've yep. been saying this entire ride has been bad, and it's been bad for different reasons at different times, and good, but but maybe like it's because we're in a particularly bad spot um, because of the specifics of season four that yeah, uh, I look, and maybe other people are feeling this way. Look at what we didn't get. We we got our characters all jacked up. No season pass. Uh, we didn't get a balance update. Capcom stopped communicating basically entirely. And, and I mean, it's just like, what the hell? Like, what did you... And it's like, okay, Evo was great. I enjoyed that. Um, and then... I'll get into this now, actually, next, because we see this on the website all the time. We have Evo happen, and then there's the post-Evo lull, where everything mm-hmm. kind of slows down, and the whole community kind of wants a break from fighting games for about a month or two. Uh, and this is very typical on the website. We see it every single year we've been in business. Um, that is another factor here that I do have to acknowledge. It's a little bit of kind of dark times, um, but I mean, even when fighting games are hopping, like always post-Evo, it's like that month or two is always yes. crap. Right. And that's that was true, yeah, in, in any game. But I would say that it's even it's even it's hitting harder in more ways than just you know like on the website, but just in general, I feel like it's hitting harder now. Um, did you have more to say on that particular thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, no. I, I I will note that I, I, this is you know I take issue with one thing that you said like in previous podcasts where you thought that Honda, Poison, and Lucia were really good additions to the game. Yeah. And I, I go, hey, you know what? If those characters were great additions to the game, how come they're not carrying the game right now and breathing brand new life into it? Because like, they're those... not good enough to do that. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they should be, right? That's what oh, they your should, character, yes. That's what your characters should be. And this is why I continue to advocate for very strong DLC characters being added to the game that make a difference. That they are in there, and you had some good points about that. You're like, well, G didn't get a lot of changes between season you know, three to four, yet he jumped up a lot because more people started playing them. Touche. Mm-hmm. That is a great point. Um, and, and it's something we do have to acknowledge. But again, these characters, they need to hit with a bang. They need to come in and actually make an impact. And usually what these characters come in and do is that they end up in the mid-tier, usually at best, and usually the lower mid or low tier slots. And that's like, that's not going to make an impact. We are a competitive community who, who thrives off of freaking griefing each other, basically. That's what we do. We want to beat each other up. And you can't have a bunch of low tier characters come into the game and not be very strong. And again, with 0.5 updates or even more updates throughout the year, if they're too strong, you just tweak them down a little bit. You're like, hey, yeah, you know what? Urian's knees, they're a little too good. 
You know, that, that's just a little too good. Where'd you get that idea? Yeah. <laughs> uh, season three, Abigail, maybe, you know, or season two, Balrog and Laura, maybe we'll want to go ahead and knock these characters down a little bit right now. Um, and, and, you know, you can do that, like, uh, especially on a per character basis. If you're seeing too much robbery happen with just a character or two, you can tweak those characters just a little bit then in there. And I agree that the bigger balance changes, like if you're going to, you know, completely rework how Ed or Fong or someone like that works. Yeah. You need to save that for a special time. Right. That is a but if you're going to make like just dial back Akuma a little bit or dial back Karen or something like that, if you're going to do that, you can do that throughout the season and it will be okay. And players will adjust to it and you will see the usage and you will see the interest and all this other stuff come back up again, because when you lose to the same old crap over and over and over again, it's so frustrating. They and did that like a year ago with Akuma's standing uh, medium kick. They they made it less plus on block, and it was like that was so great. That was yes. one of those like little ninja nerfs uh, during like an, an otherwise routine like kind of update, and that was really cool. Yeah, and, and, and so that's the kind of stuff that we're looking at, and and that's where it kind of leads us to with this game, where it's like I, I see multi multifaceted reasons why it is um, not as ideal in a spot as it should be, and a lot of this falls at Capcom's feet, and I know personally that it's not the developers if the developers could go in there and and update this stuff 50 times you know a week or something like that like i don't know about that often but you know if they could update it a lot i should say they definitely would but this does come down to the publisher um uh, the capcom itself and, and the suits and stuff that are making these choices they have to make business choices to make it all work but some of their business choices have been very bad it's like there has been so much blowback from like yeah we're just going to press our characters into evo and like the north america regional finals and then capcom cup that's all you guys get you it's like what it's like what you were doing was working before there was no one upset about like you guys releasing a character every month or every other month i should say as far as i know when you missed a date or when you had some other issues yes people got upset about that but people weren't upset getting brand new content every other month that was like really good you know it was like oh yeah this is great it's a great time people weren't upset as far as i know about you know uh the the 0.5 balance changes and you took stuff that people loved and enjoyed and said Eh, we're doing things differently. And then it didn't communicate about it for months. And this is what we get. This is what the, the post situation is uh, of, of what you have created now. And ah, yeah, I'm frustrated with it. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot there. Um, I do think that a part of the part of where I'm feeling and, I, and really, let's just say I'm saying this uh, from my own perspective. It's not that everybody is saying this, but I bet you there are a lot of people that are feeling this way. So that's kind of where I'm coming from is that this is my experience. Uh, I'm not saying that everybody else is feeling this, but this is what I'm feeling. Uh, and raise your hand if you agree kind of a thing. So uh, back to the characters. We'll go specifically back to that. Um, yes, you're right. And especially in 2019, it's it's an esports. We have to be watchable. You have to keep in mind you want your top eights to be exciting in various ways ways and having a bunch of Rashids and Akumas and such, and then not even in just in top eight, um, is not a very good look. But I don't think that I should preface this with saying that I think that the main heart of the issue is still ultimately the gameplay. And then there are some other things that are that are cherries on top or, or maybe even a little more uh, they have a little more gravity than a cherry on top, but they're not the main issue. I think the main issue is the gameplay when it comes to the characters. Yes, uh, more well, variety would be just a second because we, we cover the characters. Why do you think it's the gameplay that jumps out at you? And I, I think we've been over this, but I'm curious for our listeners. Like, why do you well, think it's the gameplay that's the main issue? Um, well, uh, the only thing I was going to say about the characters is to mm -hmm. say that, like, while you're right, um, like, Third Strike 
is you know all Yun Chun and then maybe some Makoto and then occasionally like a Dudley or a Ken you know stuff like that but the third strike was very much just a handful of characters Marvel 2 was very much just a handful of characters and that didn't take away from the overall fun of those games so it would just be a little bit of a counterexample on the characters although I don't disagree with you and the times have changed but that was my point there uh, as far as the gameplay goes well it's it's just everything that I've been saying for the last couple of years it's like uh, the, when you when you walk away from the game more often than not you don't have that sense of like accomplishment you don't have that sense of like reward you don't have that sense of i learned something when i lost it's so much more often this negative feeling this like ugh and and it's just the way it leaves you feeling and then that gets that gets like you know compounded when you have things like repetitive characters when you're like you have to wait 20 minutes for the game to boot up when online is laggy and that's that's another big part of this people are playing online more and more and more and it's still just with where technology is with where you know what we're able to do it's just not the same experience and then so many times you know you walk away going like well that probably would have ended differently offline if we were playing in like a local match and and that sucks and like so what so what's my takeaway there it's like that shouldn't have been what happened but it did and and it's like we're playing online because it's all we have, you know, for the most part. Like you can go to your locals and stuff, but most of the time, your most of your practice is probably more going to be online, and and that kind of sucks too. Like the the net code, as it's better than four for sure, but it certainly isn't where it needs to be to keep people interested. And and just so many times you sit down, you play this game, and the gameplay leaves you feeling like you want something more than this. Okay, so so now we we've talked about some ways to fix this. Like if you're Capcom right now. Like, and, and let's say that they put you in charge of the Street Fighter division at Capcom, right? And you know the resources you have and you have your team here. How do you go about fixing this, like, right away? Like, what is your solution that we we don't already know is in place right now? Like, we, we assume an update is coming, you know, post-Capcom uh, Cup somewhere around there because of the 1.8 years, right? Uh, yeah. we, feel, we figure a character is coming in November and another character in December as well. Like, you know, that's kind of what Capcom has heavily alluded to. Like, what beyond that do you do right at this moment in time? to address it beyond that me personally if yes. i were in control here i would go through and look at the first and foremost the the specific moves that characters have that are just very obviously imbalanced and that would okay. just come from playing as long i've been playing this game for what four years now i have a pretty good idea urian knees the the risk and reward the payoff versus the cost that certain moves like that have are still lopsided and and they lead to uh, pretty ridiculous situations. I'm not saying knees are, are breaking the game, but they're taking away the fun of the game in some pretty tangible ways, man. Like when, okay. and, and think moves like that. So I that's would perfect. Make, that's that's perfect. So so you would do a balance patch, basically. You I would do a balance, balance patch. patch. I would yeah. make it so that you couldn't initiate. Uh, yeah, that that's going down the rabbit hole. So we'll we'll hold yeah. off on that. But yes, it's a general game balance with a better attention to risk versus reward, so that players could feel the sense of reward at the end of it. And it okay. wouldn't be either watered down or completely ripped away from them. So now we are on, right now, recording this here, we are on a Wednesday. It is October 9th. When would you put out this balance patch, uh, especially on the eve of Capcom Cup? We've got the North America Regional Finals, all that kind of stuff. Like, when would you release this balance patch out into the wild? I'd probably do it after Capcom Cup because okay. it's going to it probably change the game. That's the other thing, man. It's like... Part of me just wants Street Fighter 6 because I don't want to screw around with Street Fighter 5. Who knows if, 
you know, it's one thing to come up with an idea here in the lab, but it's a whole other thing to release it into the wild, into the hands of thousands and thousands of players and what they figure out with it. You know, like there's so much that could go on there. And Street Fighter V has its identity. If you change that too much, then the people that are playing are pissed off and then who knows so, what happens. So it's right. scary. So I, I get where you're going with that. Now, how is that any different than what we assume Capcom has planned right now? Oh, it's it's not. I'm saying that the place that we're in is a it, is a gotcha. bad yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. no, I'm I'm just going back to that. So it's like we we're we're complaining about what Capcom is doing, but like we have to we have to come back to them and say, hey, here's the solutions we have as well. Like right. it's I get that. Like hey, this is not a good spot, and that's where we and I run into this too. I do the same thing. Well, we've got a hundred podcasts and, about and articles like that talking about those but things. Yeah, yeah. If they only listen to this one, like you know, what are we getting back to them? Oh, right. Sure. And yeah, that's I want to you know I, I try to direct stuff in that way because it's important. Like and I I run into this with myself too. It's like you know oh Manat doesn't have this or she needs that or like I think this character's dumb or whatever. And it's like. You have to also, you know, take a look back at what the ecosystem is. Like, I don't even mean just like the gameplay, but like what Capcom's like financial status is. And, it, you know, doing a balance patch every other month or something like that is probably not feasible from a financial standpoint from them. I don't know if it is or not, but the fact that they don't do it makes me believe that there's a considerable amount of resources that have to go into this stuff. So um, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I just, it's a good reminder for all of us, myself included, very much so, that it's really important to, when we're, we're, we're addressing these complaints and stuff like that, to have solutions that back them up. That way, when Capcom is listening to it, they hear those and they can take those back to, you know, Ono and other people. And that has happened before, as an FYI. Mm -hmm. And very recently, uh, all the complaints that we had about the lack of character announcements and other things like that, like Capcom USA, when Ono came to visit them, they pulled him aside and said, hey, look, this is an issue that the community is pissed off about. They are not happy about this situation. And Ono literally went on Twitter, I think like that day or a day or two later or something like that and said, hey, Capcom USA spoke with me. Uh, he did it in Ono, you know, Ono, ono English speak. and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but he did say, I have heard this complaint loud and clear. I hate to say it, but there is, there's very much a, a lack of, of clear communication within Capcom sometimes. And, mm -hmm. and the fact that like, if we can kind of have not a completely unified voice, but but go about things in the right way. That's that's the words I'm looking for. Like go about things like we're we're constantly addressing the stuff like this is a problem, but this is a solution. And, and and yeah, so I mean that's kind of where I'm going with this stuff. And I mean Capcom's not a perfect company, um, but <laughs> I mean they're also not doing some of the stuff that some other video game companies are doing right now, which right. is a, a subject we will not go into. At least Capcom's not pulling that garbage, right? Like oh. they're they're not a perfect company, but they they do have some good things that they do. And I can assure you guys of this: they are a mass amount of people who work on this games who love these IPs and this franchise like nobody's business. They love this stuff like crazy and they don't agree with a lot of the choices that are made too and it happens. Uh, and so what, again, what we can do is we can kind of, we can show them what we're looking for. So. Yeah, and I don't expect Capcom to be a perfect company, and I don't expect Street Fighter V to be a perfect game, and I would hope that people don't expect perfection out of me and the things that I do and such. Like, that, that's completely and absolutely a thing. But I also know that Capcom is very capable of making an incredibly fun game because they set the bar for it, man. Yeah. And they've done it like 600 times. And not even just in fighting games and other avenues, right? You got your Resident Evils, your Monster Hunters, all these super awesome IPs. Like, 
that's the other big part of it. Capcom is very capable because they've proven it time and time again to make a fun-ass game. And then also, they've had 30 years of experience. And it's something that, I mean... It's a new chapter. They're trying new things, and 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 you can't. Ex- it's like in some ways, it's just baby brand new for them because they're doing new stuff. But it sucks that when you've had thirty years now of practice, and this is like where I'm feeling when I play your game. It's like I would expect something out of that, and and so, but no, I don't expect perfection. And uh, and as far as balance patches go and such, I'm super down with like six months to a year, eight months, whatever. Like I don't want it to constantly be like changing and fluctuating and such. I'm I'm down to adapt uh, for a lot of stuff. But I think that some of these things that I'm complaining about it, like you want specific examples, V triggers and the way that you can cancel into them so efficiently, uh, and and the risk reward that comes in with them. You know, I would make V trigger cancels on block not positive a million. You know, and yeah. and I would probably it, nerf damage more stuff like that. We and we've been into that. I was I was more curious of like some other stuff, but we should move on here because we're kind of long on this subject. But um, I'll mention now that uh, that Street Fighter Five, uh, there's a hacker going into the game and <laughs> causing some very interesting things to happen, and I actually don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, to me, this is pointing out the flaws in Capcom systems, and if he really wanted to keep all this stuff under wraps, he would not be making a public spectacle of this stuff. Like, he's posting it up on Twitter, he is, like, trolling in every way possible. As far as I know, when people play him, from what I've seen, like, they don't actually lose any league points when they lose to him. He just gains it, because he's hacked the system to, like, yeah. not, not even have issue with that. Like, he's basically a giant troll, and, and not only that, like, if you're really that upset by this guy, like, you can go into the CFN, which is really really nice it's one of the best modern day like online systems for for what it does like stats and all that kind of stuff and you can blacklist him you can blacklist this guy right here and you will never run into him ever like you'll never have trouble with this guy so I maybe look at, i don't know if he can if maybe he's well, yeah, maybe he can that. It, right? good, good call <laughs> uh, but anyway i i don't look at this as a bad thing because i look at most modern games and i go yeah this is the type of thing that happens in pretty much every game uh hacks all that kind of stuff uh this guy is very clearly leaving a a breadcrumb you know trail for capcom to follow say hey this is what i'm doing here's where you need to you know fix this stuff at it's it can be done. Uh, he might probably get himself banned from CFN, but he probably can maybe can hack his way around that too. So yeah. we'll see. Um, we, but, yeah. uh, we talked about him on Best of Five a little bit yesterday, and it would be going way too far to call him a Street Fighter V Robin Hood because he certainly isn't stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. Uh, maybe actually closer to a Street Fighter V Joker <laughs> because uh, the the and this is this is kind of a long shot still, but bear with me here. People are not super pissed off that this guy is breaking the game. They're laughing about it. Now, given it's not happening directly to them, but immediately we're going to things like, and he's not even taking their points. He's hacked it so that only he gains points, but they're not losing points. And so maybe this is more of a statement. And and I don't think it is, but it feels that way. And and this is another point that I was going to get at, is that when this happens, and and if you haven't seen it, it's hilarious because he makes like a giant Zangief that just all you can see is one of his feet. And of course, his SBD range is the whole screen. A teeny tiny Ryu, which is hilarious, but I wish he did it with Abigail because that would be funnier. That's like super fast and obviously has like no hitboxes or hurt boxes, I should say. A ridiculous Akuma, which is just a standard Akuma, but he plays Akuma. No, I'm kidding. It, it's actually like he can fierce into demon, things like that. Um, but people's reaction to it are this is funny and oh, he's not even taking points and this is a wake up call for Capcom and they're all like 
charismatic, strangely mm-hmm. charismatic towards this person. And I think that that is another small symptom or, or, or that reaction is is evidence further, small evidence of how people are feeling generally towards Street Fighter V. Someone comes in and does this and they go, yeah, anarchy, you know, Joker, let's go. So there's that. There you go. Yeah. Um, Capcom isn't known for communicating. Uh, we were just covering that. Uh, so I'm not even sure where you would go to submit bugs like this that, you know, I mean, I know there's places to do it, but it's like, you guys don't it pops communi- up on event hubs and eventually exactly what I think I, happens. Yeah, I was just about to say we know Capcom staffers like actively read us and and, and like that's actually not a bad way to get attention for your issues like this. Um, it's uh, we've had multiple people over the years say I check event hubs first thing in the morning to see what went wrong. <laughs> we go, yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's kind of you know, I mean, it's going to be up there at some point if we you know if it happened right. So uh, anyway. Uh, there are other ways of doing it, but but yeah. Uh, so so some people might be upset out there. Uh, I don't fault them for those tactics. Uh, I just I see this as less of a good or a bad thing. Uh, either, uh, uh, neither of those things really. Just more of a fact of life here in 2019. This is what games deal with, like pretty much every game out there. And it's good actually that you know we could document and do other stuff. It's kind of bad that you know he's doing it to some extent. Um, you know maybe there's some other ways. I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's kind I gotta I gotta of, say yeah. when it was I was watching the Zangief one, and if you've seen it, then you know what I'm talking about. If not, he just does standing light kick about a million times, and it's an infinite. So birdie, it's against a birdie player, and the birdie's <laughs> getting hit. But then um, in Street Fighter Five, as Desk, as far as I know, Desk discovered, but there's a 99 hit anti infinite combo um, um, block in place or like firewall where if after you get 99 hits your characters just kind of like fall back away from each other like they both just get knocked down and so it stops the combo mm-hmm. and that happens and then the birdie has a chance to uh to block so then Sangief goes straight back to just doing light kick over and over again a la again in omega mode of street fighter 4 right but birdie's blocking and instead of just laughing at it, i was like oh so starting to think about what what can you do here oh we'll try v reversal see what happens if you v reversal and and sure enough i think he does like ex headbutt and it absorbs and he hits the zangief and he mm-hmm. starts again but then zangief like he's like so what do i do now and zangief just wakes up and spds him and then goes back to standing light kicking him and it's hilarious pretty good comedic timing there and rhythm yeah, but I, my I, I brain loved... was like oh yeah how do i actually fight this like where my that's where my brain was like <laughs> how would i actually start to do this and and again i don't think it's a thing but then i could say well it's because Street Fighter V is often this ridiculous, and I'm used to just having to figure out how to get through the BS. And Man, just, yeah, that, but, that's that is a, definitely the competitor inside of you. Like I, I yeah, right? just like <laughs> I'm looking at this stuff and going, "Oh my gosh!" Like there's a part where Zangief backs up, like and he's full screen away, but he's so large he can continue to SPT birdie. <laughs> it's just like I'm watching just like the game mechanics be tweaked and broken in a way that like should not happen. And actually, this is not too far unlike what Capcom is doing behind the scenes to get these games balanced right um we you know we do lot capcom for a lot of their balance stuff they, they are quite good at it uh i think overall um because you see stuff like this and you realize how quickly things can get broken if they're not properly you know checked and balanced and all that mm-hmm. stuff like how many things are just busted the moment like the community is going to get their hands on them and you've got you know a couple million players or however many are actively playing the game that this gets in their hands and now they're just destroying everything left and right because you know there it is so it, it's uh it's an interesting moment for me on that and uh but yeah that's uh <laughs> it's it's classic that you go like how do you counter that i'm like going oh it's bs i don't have to deal with that Wah! you know that's, <laughs> i'm totally the other way so so yeah yeah 
so moving along here, uh, last thing we've got uh, on the subject of Street Fighter V is that Ono is increasing activity on social media. We're just about a month away here from a new character reveal for the game. Uh, the Brazil game show is very likely that Capcom went on social media and did the classic Capcom stuff, which, hey, you know, props to them. It gets attention for what you want to do. That's what you do, right? Uh, but they said Street Fighter V announcement coming at the Brazil game show. And then they kind of like, you know, put some other stuff in there. They're like a continuation of what we put at the Tokyo game show and a few other things in there. Uh, essentially, what we fir very firmly believe is going to happen is they're going to announce um, that Brazil gets their own team for the Intel Open, which is, you know, the quarter of a million dollar tournament that's going on in the future. Um, you know, that's, that's definitely a big thing for, you know, Brazilian esports players and all that kind of stuff. Um, for the masses uh, audience of out there, like they, they don't really care. Like this, this impacts like 1% of the, you know, the, the player base out there on the, you know, the planet. It's not a big deal for most people. So it's cool though. You know, I mean, you definitely want to see, you know, your players from your region do well and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, it is something, but what most people care about is like, Hey, what new content are we getting? When's and, the fresh coat of paint coming? Exactly. <laughs> uh, how can we relieve our boredom? Right. And so mm. um, this is right when you start seeing more clear hints from Ono about characters. Not always. He's not consistent 100% about like, hey, I'm going to hint this perfectly and all that. We we clearly sniffed out E-Honda coming to the game, you know, um, and he was, I don't know if he got in trouble for that or what happened or whatever, but I mean, when you can piece stuff together, uh, it, it, I don't, yeah. So anyway, so things might change as Capcom. Uh, <sighs> I don't know if they're going to keep doing it how they have before, but I don't know if Ono can exactly resist putting some hints out there, right? Um, and, and I know that, like, with Honda, like, not only did, you know, was the candy thing like they had, he also mentioned, like, World Warriors was a big thing, and that's, you know, the original title of Street Fighter Two, right? And, of mm -hmm. course, the one character that was missing there was Honda. And so I think that what Ono is going to do is he might be getting much more obscure with his hints. He might be putting stuff out there that's much more difficult to guess. Uh, and one of the things that John and I looked at uh, not that long ago was that New York Comic Con Udon had uh, some new cards for Street Fighter that they put out there. And I believe it showed uh, Maki from Final Fight, uh, Junie mm -hmm. and Julie the Dolls, uh, and a few other characters that are all in Street Fighter Five. And we're like, well, that's kind of weird. Like, why did you put those characters in with a bunch of characters that are already in the game? Like, and again, it's Udon stuff. They're, they're cards that have been around for a little while. But is that like an obscure like hint that they're putting in, right? So for those of you that are kind of rolling your eyes right now, I get it. Uh, John has the biggest aluminum foil hat of all of us mm. on Event Hubs, especially when it comes to things that Ono is saying. Is like, is this a hint for another character? And we're like, no. Uh, it's it's his lunch and it, but then but then the Honda thing comes true and I've been here for years now and I've been watching this and as many times as I've gone that's just a tinfoil hat lead to nowhere too often it's come back as something so at the very least I have to I have to give an audience to this and I have to listen and it's like probably not but then also probably at this point as weird as that that feels like uh, because I, I I can't I can't knock it, man. I, these leads have been right too often from behind the scenes. I'll just tell you guys. So if you're like, yo, so he showed some cards from Udon or whatever, and then the placement of the cards. Well, I you know he, the placement of the mouse pad when when Honda was the only character and the diction of World Warriors. I I think those were hints because they I mean at least they came out and they they pointed us in the right direction. So. I will sign off on this, even if it feels kind of crazy. And normally I wouldn't. This is this to me is like, yeah, I'm not going to put any stake in this. But I will put stake in this, and I'm telling you guys why. And if it sounds crazy, well, it's because it is, but also it probably isn't. 
Well, I'm unfortunately going to let you down a little bit here because oh. uh, we did mention, though, that as we were talking about working on the story, we put some stuff in the story, but we couldn't find enough leads there beyond that these characters were shown and that it's an interesting time and place for them to be shown. And we talk about hints getting more obscure and all that. Well, this could be it. Like people are like, oh, that's like, you know, that's nothing. It's way too obscure. To, well, well we've guessed a lot of the other stuff they put out there. They might be getting more esoteric with their their approaches here. And we unfortunately couldn't have, we didn't have enough to go off of there. And Ono, Ono is going to Ono. That is really <laughs> what it comes down to. He hate is going to hate. Yeah, Ono's going to Ono. <laughs> he cannot resist. He has to put this stuff out there. It's just, it's in his DNA. Uh, and again, I, I mentioned before, he comes from that arcade culture of like, you know, hints and all that kind of hidden characters, all that stuff. It's like, it's part of who he is. Um, so, but my big takeaway here, uh, and just kind of wrap this up and put a bow on it is, yeah, we're not sure what this means, but it is a really good time to watch Capcom's social media channels for hints because the odds of you seeing something that that like indicates something is coming are really good right now because we're just about a month away and it's kind of a, it's a fun like detective game, amateur detective, and and Capcom seems to be getting a little bit better about hiding this stuff. Like that candy thing, like in the past we would not have put that together, but we had like six people working on a single story to get that, to, and like it's like you know six people for like you know five hours or something like that, all like figuring out like what this candy means and where it landed and like what the you know historical significance and like their culture and it was ridiculous um but we figured it out right and and so capcom is gonna up the ante here a little bit i think and, and do some of this stuff uh and it's fun to try to piece it together and, and it is their history they did it with marvel they've done it with a bunch of other games they do leave hints out there for us to find what if capcom's next character planned is fey long Ooh, man. <laughs> See, I like Fei Long. I actually like Fei Long a lot. Oh, but yeah. I know he's very hated, but but yeah. Well, I know he's from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what's going on with the whole Hong Kong and China stuff right now. It'd just be like Capcom's luck that that was the next character they had planned. And then it's like, oh, what do we do about Fei Long? <laughs> With the racial stereotypes that Capcom has in their game, I don't know if they care. Like they have, like any other game in history, like in like video games, like would be in so much trouble from like people just saying like this is racist and this is sexist and all that kind of stuff. Like I remember a little bit of controversy with like Mika, but even then, like no other game could survive this. But for some reason, like it's totally accepted and fine uh, in Street Fighter. Like, um. I'll name a person, not going to name this person, I should say, but they were somewhat offended at what El Forte is. Like, uh, and I'm not going to go into that because it's that he really just has a bunch of like, to like some people. Uh, Mexican food dishes as the name of his moves. <laughs> and that he's, uh, that he's a uh, uh, luchador. S- you know, that, there's, there's some interesting it, huh? points that you raised there, John. So, I, yeah, I'm I'm coming to this as a white male, so I'm going to shut my trap. But I, it, it is very fascinating to me that Capcom gets so much of a pass on this stuff. So uh, to address your point with Fei Long, like, yeah, maybe that could come back to haunt them. But I don't know if they care. Like, it's just like they just put this stuff in their games and get away with it. And I have no problem with it. Like, it's there, it's not – I don't think there's any mean-spirited stuff ever, you know, with Capcom's intentions on it. They, but, just, uh, I could, they would just have to make Fei Long super OP and the best character. Is what they'd have to do, and then they wouldn't piss off China. Yeah. So that'd be fine. Yeah, it's a. I'll, I'll mention like South Park here. Like South Park does a lot of stuff that you know should offend people and stuff, but they realize kind of the source that it's done in humor and everything can kind of be ripped on and all. Not that. China. So all they just like got safe. banned in China, uh, man. Yeah. I'm like. <laughs> and the latest episode. Well, this is going to come out today, but yeah. the latest episode was called "Banned in China," and it got them banned. 
Yeah, <laughs> I did it. Yeah, so it, it is an interesting thing, and I, I won't go too far into that because I'll, I'll get in over my head really fast. But it, it's just kind of a fascinating thing that that Street Fighter yeah. gets a pass on it, and a lot of other games could not get away with it. But uh, but yeah. So anyway, for this segment, we're going to bring in Majin Tension Hand Taylor, uh, Nicholas Majin Tension Hand Taylor. There we go. You, your name is a mouthful. But Nick, uh, welcome back again to the show. Uh, our most popular guest here. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, man? Thanks for having me. Um, I'm a bit tired. I just got home from Paris, not even 24 hours ago, I think. But uh, I'm OK. I mean, there's no time difference. so It's not that bad. But, you know, just general travel fatigue. Gotcha. Yeah, so um, while Nick was away, I was actually covering the Big House 9, and uh, a phenomenal Smash tournament. This is one of the best and biggest Smash tournaments in our, our entire scene. Like, It is a phenomenal thing to watch, just great competition. I think Smash got up there to, like, what, like... Uh, Leffen said like 90,000 people watching. I don't know if I saw that many on Twitch. Maybe, you know, there's alternative streams or whatever, but I think I saw um, about 70,000 or something like at peak viewership for Melee. It was it was quite impressive. Um, but but actually, Leffen here is a subject of what we're going to be talking about. And, and as he was going into the match, like I'm going to quote him here from his Twitter, he said that his hand went completely numb right before the set. I believe this was against Mango. Uh, and he actually thought about forfeiting since he knew that he couldn't win two sets um, and, you know, kind uh, Kind of a terrible way to end the tournament, basically. But uh, he did say, you know, good games to Mango and Zane. You know, he's like, hey, uh, you know, they beat me fair and square, not a problem. You know, um, but he mentions that he has no mobility in his left wrist at all. It doesn't matter if he tenses up or not. Like he's going through some very serious hand issues right now, and this is not the first time we've heard of players going through hand issues, particularly in melee. Uh, and I bounced this off of our Smash guys, and they kind of mentioned like. It's really melee. It's not Smash 4. It's not Ultimate. Um, you know, I, I always look at the GameCube controller and I look at that thing as like a death stick for your hands. It's like, yeah, like you might as well beat your hands with a hammer instead of using that damn thing. It, like, that's how I feel about it. It really, it messes with my hands when I've used it. Um, but anyway, uh, it's it's a really sad state of affairs here for Leffen. Uh, this is one of the best fighting game players around. Uh, this guy can jump up and pick up most games and compete at them at a very high level. He is so damn gifted. And I would not wish hand pains on my worst enemy. Like I, I have went through some, you know, some decent stuff here, and it's not like it, it's not like the pain is like you know a ten out of ten or whatever. But you know that when you're going through hand pain or, or like repetitive motion pain, that like the things that you've always done and gotten by with, with working or competing, you're screwed. You can't do that stuff anymore. You have to change the way you live. And, and that's something that Leffen is looking at doing right now. Uh, uh, Nick, you're, you're friends with Leffen. Like, have you heard him talk about, like, his hand pain yet? Like, what have you seen from him? Not really. Uh, I mean, just briefly, like, uh, he mentioned, like, uh, it's kind of rough just because he's been playing so much. But I thought it was more that than any, like, huge thing, you know, because he streams all the time. Mm -hmm. And I guess yes. it does stream ultimate though, but still. Uh, so I just figured, you know, he's streaming too much because it felt like he was basically streaming and sleeping. Uh, I think mm -hmm. that checks out if you look at his stream stats. Uh, and it's a very popular stream, so it makes sense. But a lot of people do that. I mean, I feel like Aris basically streams and sleeps too, but I think he plays yeah. way more relaxing games because he just plays regular mm -hmm. games on his stream. When you're playing a competitive game and you try to play at the top level all the time, and on top of that you play melee like Leffen does in tournament, I guess sooner or later it's going to catch up to you. 
Yeah, I mean, I went through this with my kidneys and had to check into the ER twice and got very large medical bills uh, from doing this. And it's just you you sleep, you stream, you're working, and it's just to get something up off the ground and get it going. I've been there. It's it's ridiculous. Um, but I will say on a more positive note here for Leffen, he said, to be clear, my hands have gotten consistently better after I, I started taking care of them. Um, but again, he mentions that he was forced to play in a freezing venue for 11 hours straight. Like that's, you know, it. It get him it's getting to him um and he adds that it's safe to say that i'm going to make some serious life changes because i cannot take another week of this so he's figuring like he's kind of like at the the end where you've got to make adjustments i did this about i don't know it seems like about eight years ago or something i had to make massive changes to like how much caffeine i was consuming and a bunch of other things um it's possible to get through this but it is it's a really rough thing and the the depression that hits you for not being able to do like what you love and like just you know going about it it's it's ridiculous it hits really hard um and it just the the good part about it for most people is like adjustments usually work you just don't want to go so far down you know a deep dark hole that you're in a spot where you can't dig yourself out of right it is it's a type of thing where you just usually have to make you know take some time off and and do things a bit differently um and you know it's again i get it though wanting to work 24 7 and just make your things go it's well rolling into to esports and how popular these games are becoming and how much the general public or or i should say a bigger portion of the population is caring about them i think regulation and and maybe that's not quite the right term for it but we'll use it for now regulation on how to or, or like maintenance personal maintenance like you know think about the nfl and how bad concussions have been and like how much worse they were earlier on and then you introduce things like uh, better helmets better padding and and you kind of posture yourself to to deal with the problems that arise with stuff like this i think that I think we've seen, it was like a couple years ago, and it was directly related to Smash and using these GameCube controllers and how intense these things are on your hands. Um, a doctor talking about the, uh, just like the particulars, and I don't remember any of the details from the time, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to take yep. care of yourself. And I think that a lot of stuff like, you know, regular types of stretching and, you know, maybe like exercises that you can do with your hands. I mean, realistically, all of us in the gaming community probably should be aware of those things just because of how much we use our hands. And then, I mean, you you factor in what you're doing on a keyboard and mouse constantly as well. And it only makes sense. I I think this is just kind of, it's like a, well, duh, this sort of a thing is going to start happening to people that do it this much. And I think a lot of us have gotten away with not having to do too much in the way of exercising and stretching and doing specifically or doing things specifically focused on keeping our hands and arms and whatnot um, um, in good shape for this stuff. But it's catching up. And, and again, with it being more in the general view and this becoming more of an important thing that people will make more money off of and, and will watch and use for entertainment, I think regulation or um, I guess basic instruction on how to maintain the health of your hands yeah. is probably coming down the pike sooner rather than later. But yeah, right now we're in this weird transition period where that's not mainstay stuff, normal stuff, and, uh, and we're starting to run into problems with it. Yeah, but regarding Melee, I don't know how much you guys follow the tournament scene, especially not before, but there was this player called, or there is this player, I should say, because he still competes, called Hax, who was Mm -hmm. extremely good. He was on a meteoric rise at the moment, Uh, and then his hands got messed up. And he had to do surgeries and all kinds of stuff. And for the last, I think, five years, he's barely been a tournament presence. He shows up every now and again. He plays on, like, a hitbox now because he can't use the GameCube Mm -hmm. controller. And he'll usually perform pretty well, but then his hands will 
be too much and he'll have to DQ himself. And I think yeah. the stuff you were talking about with the doctor was probably related to his case specifically because it was a big deal in the Smash or at least in the Melee community that people talked about a lot. And I, I, again, Hax is still around. He still plays, but he's had some unbelievable trouble with his hands. Uh, he's definitely someone you should look up if you're trying to like see the effect you this kind of stuff might have on your body. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's like the saddest stuff ever. It's again, this is we do this a lot for for fun and but when you're a pro, the amount of dedication and time you put in it's it's ridiculous. It's really, you know, a full-time job um and for you know, some players more than that, right? Uh, and and just watching them fall apart due to injury is it's terrible. And, and a lot of these players are not making that much money, uh, which we're about to get into here um, as a whole nother set of problems. But I mean, it's it's really serious. And I mean, as John said just a little bit ago, really education and making sure that you are taking care of your body, getting the rest you need, all that kind of stuff. It does go a long way. Uh, it will not solve it in everyone's case, but it's it's rough stuff. And it, it's a good thing for everyone to keep in mind as they you know move forward, especially, you know, people holding down a full time job that's computer work and, then you know, trying to play fighting games. It it takes a toll. Yeah. So um, at the big house nine. Uh, which, again, as I mentioned, a giant smash tournament. Leffen won about $1,100, um, which he notes, and that was, I think, for third place overall. Uh, he notes that didn't even cover his flight and hotel. And without a sponsor, TSM, he actually would have lost money on the trip. Um, and he he does actually add that he felt like he lost out overall because he was not streaming, right? Yeah. Like, streaming is a big thing right now. Uh, Zero, we know, kind of retired. Uh, for the most part from smash uh to be mostly a content creator and uh, i know leffen is doing a lot of streaming as, as nick just mentioned um but both zero and leffen say that nintendo isn't doing enough um and those are words i've basically said on the same podcast like they're they're not doing enough to, to support you know this scene they're not doing enough to to really back it up uh but then i look at a company like capcom and i go you know what like capcom is doing that but they're also losing money on the center they have flat out said like look this is an investment in the future it's not an investment in the now and so i get these players saying like hey i want the money to you know be there so we can continue to compete and that i really feel nintendo should be giving more support than what they've been doing yeah so they have the European tour, which is a really good first step, but Nintendo marches to the beat of their own drum. They, they do things kind of their own way and their own approach. Um, it's, it's, it's good, but it's like, I don't know when Nintendo is actually going to hear, you know, complaints from players and other stuff and actually do something about it. Um, I, it, it kind of like to me looking at the scenario, like, you know, both Leffen and Zero are saying like, you know, I might as well just stream and I might as well just be a content creator. And I kind of look at that and go, well, I don't know if that's wrong. Like that might be really the way to go. Like make your name as a player and then turn that into a career, you know, making content. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to argue against the money. And as for as much as people talk and people say things, uh, like you linked up earlier in the great words of ACDC, right? Money talks. And I'm sure they were the first to say that. Uh, but it's mm. it it is an interesting uh, kind of situation we find ourselves in, and I'm not going to be too quick to jump to uh, one side or the other and say that they're right because I don't for sure know and I don't necessarily know that everyone or that anyone would at this point because it's sort of a newly emerging thing that's like kind of a, a product of the times of the situation 
And uh, so I guess when I say that, it's just to, to try to ask people, I'm sure like frivolously, but ask people if they would kind of go in with a more of an open mind and whatever debates come up out of this and see both sides and, and kind of like try to find common ground that's going to ultimately be good for everyone. But uh, we don't live in that world, so I'm probably just wasting my breath. But there it is. Yeah, I mean, it, both Smash 4 and Smash Ultimate have sold close to 15 million copies apiece. Like, that is a monster amount of sales for games and all that. And I get why players are, are going back to Nintendo and saying, hey, what the hell are you guys doing, right? Um, but it's not just Nintendo. Uh, Leffen also mentioned that, you know, top players it's hard for them to know what the actual solution should be here because they're not a privy to a lot of the information that you know tos have the streamers have all that kind of stuff like they're you know they're up there to play and compete they're not really you know seeing like how much let's say um i'm trying not to put anyone on blast here so let me come up with like jim the streamer who gets you know 10 million views on his you know channel they're not sure how much money you know Jim is making, right? Like they they don't know that. Um, but they're they're talking. Uh, Leffen mentions as well that that even commentators are getting paid more than most of the top eight people that are actually playing in the tournament. They're getting their flights covered. Um, that's not to say that commentators shouldn't be paid. You know what they're what they're doing. It's just that he's like, hey, what the hell? Like you know the players are more of the product here. And that is kind of like the disconnect that's going on in our community at this moment is the players are up there. You guys are thinking, you know, probably, oh, you know, the names and spotlights, all that kind of stuff. Like, and it is cool. Like, I'm sure that that <laughs> I'm sure most of them are very happy with the fame they're taking away from it. But like the prize pool that they're, they're getting from it is it's pretty crappy. Like, I, I don't know another way to say it. It's really crappy. Um, you know, and Nick, I, I mean, you have a lot of experience like watching this kind of stuff. Like, do you have any ideas on like things that you would throw out there in terms of solutions or thoughts on that kind of like, you know, ways to go about it? Like, what do you think? Well, I think the first thing is to stop blaming Nintendo because having a company invested in an esports franchise is a privilege. Nintendo really don't have any form of responsibility or anything of that sort to support competitive Smash Brothers, especially since they've largely in the past been against competitive Smash Brothers. And now they've right. kind of relented on that and are like, okay, fine, you can do your thing. We might sponsor you with these smaller things and whatever. So I get that you're frustrated that Nintendo won't support competitive Smash. And I get continuing to ask for it. But having that as some sort of magical solution isn't going to work because they're not interested. And even if they were, that would be a privilege. That would just be like mm -hmm. something very beneficial for you guys and maybe not at all beneficial for Nintendo. As you were saying, Capcom are losing money on their esports ventures, even though it might pay off in the long term. We don't know yet, but that's the hope. Well, and privilege and right evolves over time, depending on the situation too. And I, and I don't disagree with you with what you've just said about Nintendo, but not too long ago, I think you could make the argument that getting um, a significant payout at a tournament for winning or placing is sort of in the realm of privilege in that people didn't go to most tournaments for the sake of the money. I remember, like, I went to Wednesday right. Night Fights uh, back in my day. I went to Wednesday Night Fights uphill both ways <laughs> in the snow in Southern California. Uh, and But I did it, and I stayed there for hours and hours until the wee hours of the morning and such. And if you got top three, you got paid out, and... Most of the time, you know, Mike Watson would be like, hey, you know, here's your here's your winnings. And I would be like, oh, yeah, I get paid for this because I didn't always get top three for sure. But but it was like I wasn't going for that. And I think most people weren't. Now you evolve and you, you know, we grow more and more into esports and suddenly people are doing this for a living. It makes sense that they would 
they're they're doing this to get paid because hey they're not doing a regular day job otherwise like this is their income and then you see the shift from well the idea of of payment and in when you're engaging in competitive fighting games has become more of like that i need it to happen it needs to be a right otherwise it doesn't work with how things have evolved anymore so we're in this weird place as far as I guess where things are right now and what you were just saying about Nintendo where that hasn't become right yet but the other parts of things are accelerated so fast that players kind of need it to be or otherwise like their their motivations are going to be to stay home and and so I get why you would look to someone like Nintendo because they have the means of fixing the problem but you're right in that the, the onus really isn't on them. And they could probably give two craps about whether or not they're going to jump in and do this. They make a lot more money and a lot of other bigger avenues. So we're kind of in a rock and a hard place right now. It's a kind of an interesting situation. Yeah, and even in that regard where you're thinking maybe there's something for Nintendo to gain from this esports venture. Like the alternative you're bringing up and that Leffen was bringing up is to stay home and be a content creator for Nintendo games. So what's the yep. loss for them here? It's like, oh, Nintendo... I'm not saying that this is what Leffen was talking about either because he didn't really bring up Nintendo besides saying that he's disappointed that they don't support the scene, which I totally get. I'm just saying, like, the 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 thinking people have about Nintendo should be supporting tournaments, and then it, it almost seems like they have this threat saying, like, yeah, or otherwise people are just going to be content creators. But that's not a bad thing for Nintendo because they get free advertisements for their games regardless of if it's a tournament or a content creation stream, right? So that's the thing. Yeah, it's a, that's a great point. And I will note that with these other companies getting involved in esports, they do see dollar signs here. They have business models built up around it. There is there's a pay to play thing going on here with business and that's how it is. Like you have to invest in the stuff to, to get the benefits long term. But I mentioned before, Nintendo marches to the beat of their own drum, and they do things very differently. They took a long time to get into the mobile space. They're in it now. They're doing it kind of their own way. It's worked out quite well for them. It's a little bit of like, yeah, you can ask this of Nintendo, but that's good luck. Yeah. You know, that kind of comes down to that. And I hate to say it because I love seeing, you know, competitors up there. Uh, I don't want to see Michael Jordan, you know, begging groceries at, you know, Walmart or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I respect the ability of a player um, to invest the time into a game that they love and to get that much more high level and show me things I've never seen before and see it on a level that just you know, blows my mind, which is, that's what I want. I love that. But I also get that there's a reality of like, hey, who's going to pay to see that, right? And the NBA, the NFL, all these other sports, they have built up a business model over the years that took them a long way to get there. And they, you know, people look at those and go, oh, you know, like we could totally do that. Well, you forget about all the failed sports leagues that came up and esports leagues for that matter that have tried to do this and fell right on their face because they were not able to come up with a successful business model to support all this stuff. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of very sharp people working on it and to make this all come together and, and you know, happen. Um, but I want to turn this back over to Nick here because Nick, you watch like so many tournaments and you're very, very, very plugged into this stuff. Like for Smash in particular, where do you think that we go? Like, do you have any ideas in terms of, you know, I we realize kind of Nintendo supports a little bit off the table. Like, is there maybe kind of more of a hybrid approach, like that the streamers um, and the, the players can get together and do? I know that um, uh, Arturo and uh, Team Spooky uh, they do a lot of Matcherino, right? Where it's like, hey, uh, you know you can donate to the stream and this goes into the pot, all this kind of stuff. Like, do you see more opportunities there or, or what do you, what do you see out there? 
It's hard to say. I'm not... I, I do some TOing now and again, but I'm not, like, a main TO, so I don't want to speak on their behalf or, like, accuse them of any wrongdoing per se. But I do think that the answer lies largely with TOs, which Leffen also brought up um, that, as you were saying earlier, like, commentators getting paid more and uh, then maybe players are being, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because you need good commentary, but I think there's a lack of unity between top players and TOs, which maybe should be mm -hmm. there. And I saw some uh, interesting ideas about this. Uh, but first, like, what what we need to look at here is that we're talking about a very small percentage of players because we're talking about the players that get into the money, which is usually a top eight, right? So mm -hmm. I, I've been yes. playing fighting games for, like, in tournament and stuff for uh, almost 10 years now. And I just got my first, like, payment because I got... 7th in Celtic Throwdown at Samurai Showdown. Nice. And I'm doing this as a hobby. So that's why that is just a nice bonus for me. Right? Because I have a regular job here at Event Hubs. I have other avenues of income. And that's how most people who play fighting games operate. Because you're not going to make any money unless you're a top, top player. And getting to be a top player is probably not going to net you any money until you actually are one. Mm -hmm. So that's the starting point. Just the pot monsters exist for a reason, right? Right. Uh, right. So then we look at the top players that are established top players. The majority of their income or revenue is probably not from tournament winnings. It's from sponsor de sponsorship deals, content creation, as we were talking about, uh, Twitch subscriptions. I know, for example, Mango, since we're talking about Smash, he doesn't stream that often like he's not doing leffen level streams but he has this absurd amount of subscribers because he has a lot of fans that like him right so they're more supporting to support mango rather than being like a content creation thing even though he does stream he mm -hmm. just doesn't stream like i wouldn't say he's streaming as a career because he only does it i wouldn't say it's rare but you know now and again and that's where I think you have to look at it. If you have someone like Mango that's this popular, obviously people would come to an event based on Mango being there, right? So there are a lot of different avenues you could approach this from. None of them are actually tested, which makes it kind of difficult. Because I get the TOs wouldn't want to mess with what works, but now top mm -hmm. players are saying, yo, maybe this doesn't work. But I saw one interesting idea uh, being floated around uh, in the Twitter responses somewhere to Leffen or if it was to Mango's tweets or whatever about something Leffen has brought up earlier, which was also actually related to hand pains, was that top players should be seeded to the point where they're floated further in the bracket to like round this two again. pools or something like that. <laughs> yes. And since yeah. we're talking about this, this actually opens a good opportunity to solve this problem, where if we say, for example, you have a 2,000 person tournament, okay? And you would have maybe the top 64 seats be floated to the next round of brackets. That would open a, the first tournament day to have some sort of media day where you have a meet and greet with them or, you know, play sets with Leffen hmm. for $20, you know, something like that, right? And right. then you suddenly have a completely different give and take. You know, it's really interesting because we just ran into this, and I know John has talked about it, and Nick, you recently talked about this, that 
when tournaments don't have casual stations, it just pisses you guys off to like no end, right? And there are a few tournaments that are, I'm going to hold up on a pedestal here because we love these guys and we know they, they have a beautiful experience and that's Alex Jabaley, uh and uh, Rick, uh, the Hado, uh, for Combo Sorry, Break. Sorry, I, I want to give a shout out to uh, Aaron Jackson uh, who holds Celtic Throwdown because that is one of the most enjoyable tournaments I've been to and also CCL who holds Brussels Challenge. Those are the most enjoyable tournaments oh. I've been to in Europe. And Vaya is up there too. Sorry, <laughs> go ahead though. <laughs> exactly. And uh, we could name like a bunch of TOs that really understand that the casual experience is important. And I'm going to go back to that word experience. When people go to a tournament and they go 0 and 2 and there's nothing else for them to do, there's nothing else for them to interact with, that is a bad experience. You are ruining. Uh, their enjoyment of the FGC, and they're paying a lot of money to come out to your tournament. In many cases, you know, it's like a five hundred dollar. Like Leffen just said, like he he spent like eleven hundred on his trip to the big house. Now he's over in Sweden. That's a you know a big flight, but still, um, that's a lot of money he's dropping to come compete. So as Nick is saying here, crafting a better experience overall with these players, and again, maybe that's what you know the, the privilege that they have earned is that like yeah, Levin has hand pains now because of how much he's doing this and how much he's gone through it. So yeah, we're gonna float him a little bit, you know. And I, I don't want to see Levin lose in, in pools, you know. I, I mean, I'm not saying it like it hardly ever happens anyway, right? But I don't want to see him lose in pools. I want to see him further on in the tournament. It's a privilege that he has earned at that level. How do you decide that stuff? How do you get all that stuff and make it work? Well, the TOs and the top players they need to sit. Down down and come up with a system that is fair for the people involved and and as you know nick said like you know maybe they have you know casual sets off to the side maybe they have this they have that like their obligation is to fulfill some kind of um you know entertainment value for the people that come to the tournament and so they're still doing stuff and well and there okay. it is and then so. i yes that's certainly an idea that or an avenue that we could go down and explore and maybe that's the answer for this but as I'm kind of thinking about this, and I think, well, okay, Leffen has proposed this issue that he's dealing with, not his hand, but the, the significance of basically he's too expensive to go to tournaments now because it's better for him to stream because he's a top player with a big personality that people like or like to hate, whatever it is. But he can get a lot of money out of streaming. What's the incentive to go to tournaments? All right, fair enough. I get it. But how many people are like Leffen? How many people are pros? Not that many. And how many of those pros have a strong enough personality or the desire to do something like have a constant live stream, like left into almost constant live stream, to make money off of this? How many people are in it for the money over the tournament experience? Right? And it's like how many, what percentage of the population are we talking about like changing things around significantly for to make their experience better with this current issue which is like it's actually i feel like it's a kind of good problem to have it's like well i'm either going to make money this way or i'm going to make money this way but i can make more money doing this so what you know what's the other side going to do to to get my attention like not to make it frivolous or anything but i think that maybe this is just something that like people like Leffen kind of can hold and make the decision like maybe they don't go out to tournaments as often or maybe when they do go out it's because they're doing it for their fans, but they're taking a pay cut or they're or they or they demand from their fans. They go, I mean, I need to pay for my trip somehow. We need to hit this goal or they can choose to just stay home like zero and take the money and do the streaming. But it's like, why did tournaments have to change for such a small portion of the population? OK, yeah, that's a great question. I'm, I'm going to turn this right back over to Nick because he is an expert in this field. And Nick, what is the difference between watching 
mid-level melee players play the game versus the difference between when we put in a headline and they put, uh, which we now see the uh, the Twitch streamers do as well, Leffen, Mango, Hungrybox, Zane, all that kind of stuff. What is the difference in viewership when those two things are, are you know different, basically? Uh, 80,000 viewers or so. Sure, but we're talking about all of those or are we talking about Leffen? Like, what if you took Leffen's name out of that? I'm sure it would be significant. But is it enough to, to have everybody change what they're doing? Well, the thing about this is, okay, so Leffen is friends with a lot of the top players of Melee. Like, as much as he is a bad boy personality, he even shouted out Mango and Zane. Uh, and obviously, you know, him and Zane, like, train together and stuff. Uh, Mango and him have had a rivalry. I don't know, you know, where that's at. But they're definitely... Well, they're, they're, they're friends. Okay, they yeah. just have yeah. a fun rivalry. Yeah, there you go. So, um it's he can go to those guys and say hey look like you know this is what's going on in the streamer stuff like we should be able to go to the tos or the streamers and say like look we deserve this much cut of it or this is happening like there's enough pull with their names when they attend like they're worth a lot of viewership they, those guys are worth a ton of viewership like it's not that they are a a nil equation to how many amount of viewers are actually going to turn into a tournament and we know this for a fact because we watch the tournaments uh, very closely and we know when we put those names in the headline and other places like it has a huge impact. Um, yeah, so I look at this and I go, hmm, I don't know where the, the balance point, the devil's in the details, right? It's going to be there, but there's probably something more that could happen for these players to address your question you know, directly on, like, why should people even honor or respect these players? Like, there's a big reason why, and it's stream numbers. Yeah, yes, but I, how I many of the wanna... top players are doing this like this, you know? Like, how many pros would be losing, you know, for, for tournaments? So far, I've heard Leffen and Eris, but Eris isn't one of those. He doesn't fall into the same category as Leffen. Zero. No, zero, yeah, zero already yeah. left to begin with, and, uh, and that was, was a just pretty fine. big blow to begin with. I mean, it kind of coincided with ultimate releasing, so I think it's hard to kind of judge uh, how much Zero's departure affected anything. But you're talking about what have you seen so far? You're not talking about the future implications of this because Zero doing it has led to Leffen thinking about doing it. Leffen doing it could lead to Mango doing it, which could lead to Daigo doing it, which could lead to Momochi doing it because all of these people have very successful streams which would stay very popular even if they stopped going to events. Well, and at that it, point, I think when, when you have more people actually threatening that and then the TOs feel the pressure of, hey, where are the, the big names? Like, TOs already go out of their way to try to get the big names to their events. That makes sense. It's good for marketing, good for publicity, good for your overall numbers. I think that this problem is something that will work itself out in a sense that we're like, if they really are needing to get these people and the just current state of everything has evolved to where it is, where, okay, now it's worth this much to be a professional, to go to an event, and between sponsorship and TO or whatever, they, it's, it then becomes, I guess, on the TO or on the community and the followers that would rather see them be in the event as opposed to be at home. Whomever it is that wants these people there at these events, the price tag just went up. And that makes sense to me just fine. I, I just want to jump in and mention that I, I think we're citing TOs, but I think that the major elephant in the room is the streamers. Uh, and I don't know how close like the TOs and streamers like share revenue that I'm not a privy to. And it's probably event by event, but it's really the streamers that this heavily impacts. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. What do you but mean think... heavily? Like, like they're not making as much money by going to the events? Oh yeah, there's a there's a giant right. difference between having a stream with 40,000 40, and ninety thousand people watching. Oh, so. so you mean like the the streaming platform, like Capcom Fighters, how much money they would make from having you know 
a pro at their event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 talking about the big streamers in the Smash community and what they're missing out on when you have the difference between forty thousand people watching. Sure, or so 90, it falls on them. The incentive falls it's, to them to to prompt these people to come out in one way or another. Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic, and I really like what Nick is saying because he's he's thinking outside the box here. He's he's coming up with a different idea than what we've ever done, and it's like, could that work? I'm not saying it will, and I I don't you know know if Nick knows, but it, it's of course like it's a it's something different. It's a different kind of spin on it to try to accommodate both issues basically, and it's interesting. I I think that's a good direction for the players to go. Like I would like to see everyone kind of sit down and start talking about it a little bit more. Um, but yeah. yeah, it falls back. I, I mean, I was saying that at the beginning as well, that it's not that I know that these things will work in any way. It's just that there are a variety of different potential solutions and we don't know if any of them will work. Another one is obviously if you look at top sports, you have, uh, I mean, the closest thing to fighting games is probably um, UFC and boxing, right? They do pay-per-view. Yeah. That mm-hmm. might be a thing for fighting games in the future. How do we know? Maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be mm-hmm. ten bucks to watch Evo. You know, it could be something like that. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of different ways this could go. And I think another thing that I want to address is uh, Raptor. You were saying like uh, you were comparing like the will to make money and the will to compete. Mm-hmm. I don't think these are conflicting ideals. I think the point everyone has is that they want to compete, but once you make this into a career and not a hobby. We, I, because both you and I have always had this as a hobby, I believe. Mm-hmm. We've always had something we actually make money from besides this. Once you make it into a career, you have to start thinking about the money. And if you can't actually survive from playing at top level in tournaments, then you don't. Then what's the point of doing it? Exactly. You can't do it anymore. Right. It's not viable. So then and you I become a streamer, like full time yeah. and not a competitor. And then maybe sometimes yeah. you venture out. Yeah, and that can, like, that's the thing. Sometimes you venture out. I don't think people would because once you're outside of the competitive sphere, even if you're streaming and creating content, like, if Zero went to a tournament tomorrow, I don't think he would do well in Ultimate, for example. Yeah. Because he's been out of the game. He's not trying to be a competitive player anymore. So say that Leffen only streamed for a year and then, like, oh, I want to, I feel like I want to go to a tournament. He wouldn't do very well, most likely. And then it becomes, okay, he's never going to go to tournaments anymore because now this is a conscious decision to leave the competitive sphere. Yes. And that's the big problem Why for is everyone that a problem? involved. Because then players will stop playing. You get new top players. They will do the same thing afterwards because whoever's on the top is now going to be the new hot thing. And now they can become a streamer and whatever. And it's eventually, most likely, in my opinion, going to kill the entire scene. Well, if everybody, no to watch if everybody had the ability that Leffen has to be a top player and a personality, yes. And, and I think a significant number of, of players could achieve that um, in that like, they, could, they could garner a stream following a lot just based on their abilities in game. Maybe they don't even have the greatest personality. But Leffen's a special case, man. He can be in front of a camera and he can be in front of the sticks and do really well. Uh, Absolutely. But but I, first of all, I, I don't think that it's going to, like I was saying, Leffen represents a pretty small percentage of the population, first and foremost. So to say that this, like if we, if we made it like a, a um, one or the other kind of sort of thing, like an ultimatum, like, yeah, sure, choose that whether you want to go to competitions or choose if you want to make more money streaming and it's up to you. Or maybe balance and just 
go to a go to an event every month or every other month or whatever the it makes sense you know but I, I i don't know i just don't think that that is uh, the situation is something where it's like you, you have to have both like you have to have your cake and eat it too it's like you want to make more money streaming go ahead do that you don't have to be a competitor and if and if and if there's a demand for you to be a competitor and a drive for you to be a competitor and that grows especially if you stop doing it, people say no we really want you in tournament that'll make it happen as money talks but I don't think that you have to have someone like getting paid the amount that they could be getting paid if they're just spending all their time streaming, uh, have them get paid that much to also go and compete. It's like you make your choice. And and if and if other people really want to see you in both, then they'll make it happen with their money. But I don't think we're at that problem yet. That's not what I meant either to like that it needs to be the same as what he's missing out on from streaming. What I'm saying is that if you look at the price uh pool like the mm, payouts relative to the entrance for big house it's kind of pathetic mm -hmm. it's yeah. horrible it's ridiculous and yeah. that is the problem because that makes it so that people will likely leave to be content creators instead or whatever and as i was saying you're, you like you're focusing on this being a very f small percentage of players which is absolutely true very few players are in this position, which Leffen has now found himself in. But this very small percentage of players affects an immensely large percentage of viewers, which affects everyone involved. And not only just viewers, but they also they infect the, the affect, I should say, the technology that we use, the styles we use, that drive to get better. Uh, you know, when I'm watching Sako, I'm that much more motivated to spend time with Manat, right? Like there's all these residual factors that 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 radiate out from these top players that we go with in the community. They have a lot of value. And that is a proven fact uh, within pro sports leagues is, is what I'm modeling this off of. And, you know, we can you know, argue the differences are between esports and pro sports. But regardless, there is a lot of value from a Michael Jordan out there. Right. Like and again, I, I do see both sides of this. Right. Like and I kind of I'll kind of steer us here a little bit back and just say I, I see what both of you guys are saying. And I kind of go to myself. I say, well, why not both? Like, why not find a little bit more of a hybrid approach that satisfies both things? Like, yeah, you can't give top players everything, you know, and say, hey, you know, you guys are going to, you know, be able to get this and get that, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not feasible. There's not enough that's money to go is. around in the FGC to do that. Yeah, it's just it, there's not there. And you also can say, hey, you know what? There is value gained from you being on a stream with 90,000 people, watching them go up there with your Fox and bodying people. You're gaining notoriety. You're gaining, you know, street cred. You're getting the best advertising you can get in the fighting game community when you are up there on a stream and kicking everyone's butt. And so, yeah, you may not gain a lot of money from it directly, but indirectly, when you put your name on there, like Daigo has done and like a number of other players have done, you are gaining a bunch of value in advertising and different things. It's it, it, Again, people would kill for that advertising stuff, and, and relatively speaking, but and that is why we have big sponsors attached to these players like TSM that go out there and say, hey, we do want our name associated with this guy competing at the highest of levels. There is value there. So... This is very interesting, and we're up here um, on a fairly long segment, and so I, I kind of want to wrap this up uh, and give both of you guys a chance to close this out. Um, but I'll just mention that this is often said to be a young man's game, like the fighting game community. It's like by the time you get old man responsibilities, it's time to hang up like you know the, your, your controllers, basically, and kind of walk away from it because... 
it's hard to manage this with the expectations of being an older gentleman. You know, like you you have you have expectations of holding down a full time job and being able to support a family at that point. And 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 once you are past that that youthful you know age, it's it's hard. So. But um, John, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you here real quick. Like you saw some quotes from Valle about this. Like, like what, what was Valle saying? Well, on this a lot of this from Valle's point of view, and he's been talking about this for, gosh, I want to say a few weeks now on social media, but his approach is that he thinks that um, it feels like smaller fish compared to what we've talked about. We were talking about bringing in Nintendo to give you know, bonuses and things along those lines or uh, um, support. He's saying just like raise entry level fees, you know, from ten dollars to mm-hmm. however much fifteen or twenty. And he's actually been experimenting with that and doing it and saying, well, hey, look, you get bigger payouts, and that is something. I think that that's just kind of like, hey, it's in it's inflation and and it's just the way things evolve. It's the way time evolves. Um, it's also that you're getting more bang for your buck. I would say in a tournament today with all the streaming and the commentators and everything that a tournament is now versus when it was just you know in a in a <laughs> <laughs> poorly, uh, poorly ventilated arcade, right? And, but um, but Valle's approach has been more along the lines of raise the entry fees to tournaments, and um, and people will be you know that that might help. I don't know that that would fix the issue that we're talking about here specifically with so much money. You know, Leffen and and Smash Bros and Nintendo is kind of a different thing. It's a little bit of an apple to an orange of you know maybe more traditional fighting game events but that's kind of the approach Vaya has been taking and he, he'll he'll cite things like you know you'll you'll pay the you'll do last minute registration and pay far out the ass for you know whatever the the final fees are versus like if you just registered early that's saving you 10 to 50 bucks well hey if we just upped all the prices by 10 to 15 or something like that people really could afford that and that's going to change things pretty significantly over in the uh, top eight or top three payouts. So that's more his approach. But I feel like it's a little bit disconnected from what we've been saying. Uh, maybe just one way to to fix the issue a little bit. So Nicholas, like, what are your final thoughts? Like, you're so plugged into the community stuff. I know you've, you've had some ideas. Like, kind of what are your big takeaways here from this? Um, I f- first of all, I think uh, increasing the registration fee to begin with, it's crazy that it hasn't been done yet. Yeah. Because... I mean, since inflation isn't being taken to taken into account, we effectively have events that offer you so much more than they used to, but are actually cheaper to go to than they used to be, which makes absolutely no sense at all. So increasing venue fee or like entry fees makes sense. And I think that is something like, like I don't think there's one big solution. I think there are several different areas that you need to sit and kind of nudge here, like turn this knob here try and find a balance and i think that is one step that definitely needs to be part of it because it's the easiest step to implement and it wouldn't actually be that bad for anyone involved but it would bring some decent rewards with it yeah and the bottom line is we need more money (laughs) that would fix all of our problems yeah if, if you're looking for more money again uh Get good is what I also say. Uh, I've ran a successful business in the FGC for 12 years. I'll knock on wood so I don't jinx it. Uh, There are a lot of opportunities out there to earn money and to get ahead of the game. Uh, You just have to be very smart and very hardworking about it. it. It's not easy. It is, um, you are really, uh, you're bringing yourselves to levels of severe hand pain or kidney pain or whatever to, to often get there. Uh, but that is also what it takes. Uh, hey, or you could just ask Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, uh, or you could try. Yeah. Hey, I'm earning money from Samsung. I don't need to listen to you. 
Yeah, that's true. There you go. <laughs> Great. Nick's price just went up. Are we going to be able to keep him on the Event Hub's team? He's way too expensive now. Uh, we'll we have to try. renegotiate. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to bring Nintendo in to help me with that. But anyway, on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Event Hub's podcast. Once again, y'all, thank you so much for listening. And thank you again, Nick, for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. Always a pleasure. All right, you guys. We'll see you soon. Bye. That's how I get myself going in the morning. I'm like, I'm out of bed now.